Well, how long did it take you to realize that you are normal? <laughs> There's a tendency when we think about ourselves to see ourselves as the best or the worst. But in reality, we're normal. I'm normal. I make mistakes like the rest of you, and I made one wonderful mistake last week. The lines didn't lose. <laughs> but the idea, though, of understanding that we're normal and recognizing it relates to the next two Sundays, because we've been talking about people encountering Jesus, and we've kind of had individual names or group names of parties, so Zacchaeus and the Sadducees. Today and... Next week, we're engaging stories where Jesus encounters the normal Joe and Jane on the street. Onlookers, watchers, wanderers, those following him, but without names. So today, we're going to engage Luke chapter 21, where we see a fundamental problem for all people and that is when the pride of life is real. When the pride of life is carrying the day in our living. The text says, while some were speaking of the temple and how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings. As normal people, one of our primary temptations is to place our hope and our trust in temporary shiny things. And so we see this happening in this text. Wow, what a temple. Adorned with noble stones and offerings and looking to it as something that would last forever. Oftentimes we find ourselves not necessarily in a building, but seeking peace and happiness through the pursuit, the accumulation and the protection of temporary, shiny things. In other words, it is normal for the pride of life to reign in our hearts. Pride in things and pride in ourselves. Hear these words from the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. When the pride of life reigns in the human heart, we are known by anxiety. We experience anxiety because we are tempted and we are trying to place our faith in something that is not worthy of our faith. To place our hope and our trust in something that is not worthy of being trusted. Indeed, our temptation as normal human beings is to have false hope to hope in something that does not last, which by definition is futile. Why? Because it is all going to be called down. It is all going to be called down. 
what we see is coming to an end. To be aware of that and to recognize that is the, really the message of this text. To recognize the temporality is, I don't even know if that's the right word, that everything created is temporary and that to place our hope in temporary things is not a wise thing to do. When the pride of life is called down, the text says, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. I don't know about you, but I am tempted when Christmas stuff appears to skip over Advent. Christmas is the 12-day feast of the Nativity. Prior to Christmas is season of preparation of Advent, where for the first two weeks of Advent, we're going to be reading about judgment, about John the Baptist, about the second coming, about the reality of the authority of God, the authority of God that we're called to submit to. And if we don't, then we simply will miss the feast. The idea of judgment, of confession of sin, of self-reflection, of recognizing and recognizing the reality of the authority of Christ. Yes, God, I tend to trust in things other than you. Yes, God, I tend to place my hope in shiny things when they're not worthy of hope. In general, the prophets in your Bible are sad books. And Malachi is what is the last prophet in your Old Testament. And he's actually one of the last ones in the historical timeline of your Old Testament as well. He wrote in the post-exilic era, meaning God's people have come back from exile and they were messing up again. Imagine that. Here Malachi call on God's people for behold, the day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will become stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall shine with healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. As normal people understand that in God's authority, in God's judgment, that he is calling us to account as our creator. And we stand before him in need. And as we stand before God in the reality of his holiness, we are often tempted to flee. We're tempted to run away. The text says, when will these things be? And he said, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name. Do not go after them. When we think about the call of the Christian life, the, the text over these next few verses are going to be really themed around being steeled in your perspective, being firm in your faith in God. There was a verse I was thinking about from Isaiah chapter 50, where it says, set your face like flint. 
Set your face like quartz stone. And so we see this text, see to it that you are not led astray. In other words, normal human person, it is normal for you to be led astray. It will be normal for you in your everyday living to wander off the path. Be careful. We are tempted to flee. We are tempted to run away. We're tempted to miss the centrality of the authority of God. Set your face like flint. See that you are not led astray. We're also tempted to avoid following God because of the fear of blowback. The text says, when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. You will be brought before kings for my name's sake. The idea of consequences for following Christ at times for the normal Christian will cause you to be tempted to not follow. When the consequences of following Christ are costly, you know, I think about that every time we come to an election season and how more and more difficult it will become for Christians to stand on the truth as the pressures of the watching world increase. And so the temptation in the face of pressure is to avoid it. The temptation in the face of pressure, of resistance to obedience to Christ, is to avoid it, to fear the consequences of it. Today we are persons filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, we are filled with the courage of God's presence that calls us to speak the truth in all circumstances to speak truthfully of God and his claim upon our lives and on his authority. The text says this will be your opportunity to bear witness. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. When you think about Advent coming up, you may remember this verse in Malachi chapter 4, how it ends. The prophet says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Where do we recognize that? We recognize it with John the Baptist is that Elijah. And John the Baptist comes and what does he say? The truth is, you need to repent. The truth is, God's people, you're under his judgment and you need to wake up. The truth is, God calls us to holiness and to the recognition of his authority in all things. Repent. So John the Baptist models speaking the truth. As the prophet Malachi speaks the truth and as Jesus calls his disciples to speak the truth in the face of of great political opposition. Speak the truth as you live each day as a normal human being made in God's image. Speak the truth, live under the authority of God and remain centered in him. More certainty language, it says, settle it as you live your life. Settle it, settle it each and every day in your minds. Not to meditate beforehand how to answer as you will be hated by all, for my name's sake. 
So Jesus, teaching his disciples, what are you going to do when following me is going to cost you everything? Will you stand or will you flee? How are you going to handle it when you are called before the authorities and you're called to give an account of where your hope resides? And Jesus' instructions to his disciples is to trust him. To trust him in the middle of your worries. Denise's company got a really nice grant from the Packers Foundation. And she bought a bunch of tools to help kids identify their feelings. One of the primary ones was worry. The idea of worrying in the middle of our everyday life. Can you relate to that? The text says, settle it therefore in your minds to trust God. No matter what you're facing, no matter what the hardships look like, no matter what the pushback is, settle it in your mind today to trust God. Settle it in your mind today that your faith is in that which does not change, that your faith is not in shiny things, it is in God in who has given us peace because of who he is. We experience peace in God because of his love for us. But not a hair of your head will perish. Language of intimacy. The basis of our peace, the basis of our rest is God's knowing of us. God knows and loves us. Even the hairs of our head are numbered is another section of Jesus' words. Here it's not a hair of your head will perish that God cares about that, about you, who you are. Remain centered in God's love and in God's control. For by your endurance, you will gain your life. Your endurance in what? By your endurance of trusting God, of placing your hope in God, of recognizing that your stability is not based on your circumstances. It's based on the authority of God, the word of God, the very presence of God, in whose presence we are today. And we are grateful. In Christ's name, amen.